Blog Talk Radio. Delighted to welcome you all back today. Today is August 10th, 2016, and I have a wonderful returning guest coming back that I am just about to bring on the line in a moment. Mark David Gerson is here with us today, and that means that we are really going to have an inspiring, free-flowing conversation, because that's always the case when... I bring award-winning author and coach, way-shower, Mark David Gerson on the show. And today is a special day for Mark David because he is releasing another book. This, I believe, is his 13th book, and I will view that as a very fortunate and lucky number. After Sarah's Year, The Sarah Stories is the book that he is releasing today, and we will its relationship to a related book that he released previously that was critically acclaimed and continues to be enjoyed by many people, Sarah's Year. And Mark David has written so many wonderful books. His Quintana Trilogy is in the process of being made into a trilogy of films, and his writing series, which is just um, so many books now to help people with writing and creativity, um, which began with the voice of the muse answering the call to write. Many people were called to Mark David's book, his work, when they read that book, and he just inspires people worldwide in so many ways through seminars online, through coaching, even through editing and through helping writers in very specific ways, but mostly helping everyone open to their creativity and their authenticity, which is very much related. Mark David's website is markdavidgerson.com, and I am just so happy to bring him on the line. Welcome back, Mark David. Hi, Susan. It's great to be back, always. It seems that even the introduction is free-flowing today. <laughs> well, oh, you, covered, you, covered, like, you covered pretty much like everything. Every... Can you hear me? Yep, yep. Okay, good. Actually, that was um, kind of unusual, but... Um, it, I heard static on the line, and it's been that kind of a morning, too. It's been a highly energetic morning, I believe. 
So anyway, Mark David, how wonderful to have you here today on this auspicious occasion of the release of your new book. And I'm going to leave it to you to tell the audience how After Sarah's Year relates to another book that, as I said, many have enjoyed, um, Sarah's Year. So um, if you could open with that, tell us about this new addition to your family of books. (laughs) Um, Sure. Um, I do want to say, though, I've been on your show frequently to talk about new books. I've never been on your show on the actual day that a book has released. So this ah, is kind of, kind of well, extra special and extra fun. And, thank and you I'm for, honored, uh, truly. I'm honored. <laughs> it's how wonderful to share the birthday of, of a book, in right. a sense. So, <laughs> so thank you. for. I, I feel the energy of that, too. That, that may have something to do with, with the powerful energy around, <laughs> around the show today. Well, let me let me to answer your question. I need to, I need to kind of back up um, or uh-huh. rewind a little a little bit um, to a couple of years ago when um, um, I had a series of we'll call them health scares. They didn't turn out to be anything serious, but they were certainly concerning at the time. I had a couple of biopsies and and various other things that were, you know kind of alarming <laughs> to happen yes, all at one yes. time. Yes, um, yes, sure. And, <laughs> and when I wasn't freaking out, and I did my best not to freak out any more than absolutely necessary, but when I wasn't freaking out, one of the questions I asked myself was, okay, let's say all this does not turn out well because it's possible. Um, yeah. Yeah. What would I want to be sure I accomplished before I said, sayonara (laughs) and before I could even finish formulating the question in my mind an answer I did not expect not for the first time um, kind of came into my conscious awareness and that was write another novel now as some of your listeners know I already have three novels a, a fantasy trilogy among along with all the other books that you mentioned and writing another novel was not anywhere again, in my conscious mind as something that I wanted to do. But it seemed like a very powerful, I was being very powerfully impelled to do this, and certainly the circumstances were sobering enough for me to take that seriously. I didn't really have an idea for a novel at the time, but I did have an idea for a screenplay kind of floating around way in the back of my mind um, that opened up in a cemetery um, as the, um, the oldest friend of the woman who died is at the, is at the funeral. And um, I found myself with you, actually, in L.A. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we, we, were, we were at the Conscious Life Expo together a year ago, two years ago, I guess it was. And um, I thought, well... Um, well, no, I hadn't actually decided to. St- no, I know I, I'm, I, I'm actually getting ahead of myself. I actually was in LA the year before, uh, some months before, and began the book, uh-huh. and wrote a, wrote the opening scene in the cemetery at the funeral. The, the, the scene went nowhere where I thought it was going to go, um, and I put it aside and and 
wrote another book for writers, uh, birthing your book, even if you don't know what it's about. And then I found yeah. myself in L.A. again with you at the Conscious Life Expo. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, you weren't at the booth when this happened, but a, um, a very odd gentleman came up to the table um, and kind of looked me up and down and looked at all the books on the table and, and um, you know, are these yours? I said, yes. Um, he said, um, what's your rising sign? Which, you know, at a Conscious Life Expo is not the most unusual question to be asked. Although it was That's kind actually of a pretty common one, yes. <laughs> and I told him in the answer that my rising sign actually is Virgo. Um, and he said, when do you normally write? And I said, well, there's nothing about anything in my life that's normal. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. No, I have no particular routine. Some books write themselves in the morning. Some books write themselves in the afternoon. can vary from draft to draft. It just... I just go with the flow, basically. And he said, well, yeah. he said, um, you need to be writing two hours before dawn. And then he gave me some very complex astrological explanation, which I did not understand as to why that was important. And, and he left. And I thought, you know, no way in hell am I going to be writing two hours before dawn. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, well, you never know. <laughs> well, apparently, uh, <laughs> I know, but I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really good in the morning two hours after yeah. dark, um, which is yeah. why we never have our shows much earlier than this when you and I chat. <laughs> yes, yes, and but, this is early um, for my show even, so, so yes, I totally <laughs> relate, and it actually it works out well, though. The energy is nice at this time, but yes. Um, so what happened? The next did, morning, you, did you write? Uh-huh. Well, the next morning, I woke up in the hotel room before dawn, and huh. um, and I thought, well, <laughs> my there first inclination, of course, was to turn over and go back to sleep because you know that's what you do. And then I thought, well, maybe there's maybe there's something to this. So I actually pulled out my I pulled out my laptop and I retrieved that opening scene, which had been written about six or eight months before, and I just yeah. and I continued to write. And from that moment on, the book, which titled itself very quickly, Sarah's Year, just happened really quickly. And it actually yeah. came out a year ago on my birthday in October. Uh-huh. And that was going to be the end of it. You know, I had no... It never um, is, you know. It never is the end well, of it. <laughs> nothing is ever the end of anything, as it turns out. But well, it I seems felt, with, with books, it often isn't. But yes... I felt complete with the story. I felt complete with the characters. Um, uh-huh. But some of the earliest readers, including some of the advanced reviewers, said to me after they, after they finished the book and loved it, which, of course, is always very gratifying for a writer, said, well, what happens to so-and-so? And, and what happens to so-and-so? And I said, well, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> use your imagination. It's not my problem. <laughs> but... Uh-huh. but you know, you know, I you know what happened to Gone with the Wind, right? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. The more, the, the more readers will demand it. <laughs> the more I got the question, um, uh-huh. often with the same characters, um, and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I had some degree of curiosity too, um, and that that curiosity was not going to be satisfied. Unless I kept going, unless I unless I wrote more. Um, now, Sarazier is uh, the story 
of um, the woman who dies, um, her best friend, and that and the and the dead woman's son, um, and um, basically um, the woman who dies dies with, with, with her dreams unfulfilled uh, for lots of reasons, uh, which we'll go into in the story, obviously. And in the next yeah. thirty six hours, um, Esther's best friend Sarah and Esther's son Bernie spend that time together, and Sarah and Bernie are both kind of forced by kind of going over. Um, Esther's life and by Bernie discovering things about his mother and about himself he never knew uh, they both they both discover unfulfilled dreams Sarah dreams for Sarah dreams she knew about but had let go as her friend had and for Bernie dreams he didn't even know he had yeah. Um, yeah. and the story I mean and the story has a happy ending as as Sarah moves forward with 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 her with, you know, with, with her dreams and Bernie moves, moves forward with yeah. his, and and in a sense, Esther's life has had the purpose of moving these two people forward in their own lives. Um, right. So that was Sarah's year, and um, when I began, when I thought about an after Sarah's year, which was which was which was kind of a joke of a title when I. When I first thought about it. Watch out um, for those working titles. Yes. Yeah, well, well the funny thing about Sarah's year, um, Sarah's year, when I first conceived it, <clears throat> before that, writing that opening scene, what was first in my mind as a screenplay was it was going to be the year that Sarah spends after attending her best friend's funeral and how her life changes yeah. in that year. And that's why yeah. it was called Sarah's year. Well, that wasn't yeah. at all how the story unfolded. And, um, I kept asking my book, I talked to my books and my characters all the time, well, that can't be the right title. And I kept feeling as though, yes, it was, yes, it was, yes, it was. And it wasn't until I think the very, one of the very final chapters in that first draft that I realized why it was, in fact, the right title. So, you know, I always joke my books are smarter than I am, and um, they keep proving it again and again. Um, But with After Sarah's here... Um, what I realized was, yes, I was curious about Bernie, um, Esther's son, and I was curious about um, another character, Mac, who uh, was uh, the man that Esther fell in love with, but never, nothing ever happened with that. And I was curious about Sarah, of course, who was such a wonderful character in that first book, but who I was really, really, really curious about, who nobody ever asked about because they all, they all, they all hated her horribly, was... Esther's sister, Bernie's aunt, Sadie, who is uh-huh. the um, supreme uh, bitch to end all bitches <laughs> in Sarah's yes. year. Yes. And, and the question I asked myself was, I want to know why she was that way. As, the, as, as kind of as the author of the story, um, how does someone become so bitter and so unpleasant and, and really <laughs> such, such a nasty bitch, because she really is in the first book. I mean, she has no redeeming yeah. qualities at all in the first book. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know the answer. Um, as, again, I've said before on, 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 on my shows with you and, and elsewhere, I don't know the stories I write except as I write them. Yeah. Um, and as I began to write this new book, which is finally getting to the answer of your question. Um, 
as I began writing this new book, I discovered things about Sadie that broke my heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, and of course, the story also concerns Sarah and, and Bernie and Bernie's friend Eric and Mac as well and goes back and forth in time. And um, it's not a sequel. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons why I thought after Sarah's year was a title was I thought it was going to be a sequel. And it's not a sequel because a sequel suggests that you have to read the first book in order to appreciate the second book. And um, I was very conscious as I was writing after Sarah's year, um, not only of not wanting to do that, but of the book not letting me do that. <laughs> the book, yeah. the book made it, the, the book, the scenes in the book um, really make it very clear that you don't have to. I mean, I'd love for you to read Sarah's year, but you don't have to have read Sarah's year first in order to, in order to fully appreciate after Sarah's year. Um, and in some senses, maybe the title is unfortunate because it suggests that you do, but I'm not in charge of the title any more than I'm in charge of anything else. So, um, um, but the story does, of course, take, take, go through Sadie's life, um, talks about what happens to, um, fills in some of the blanks of Sarah's year and also takes you past um, Sarah's year. Um, and that's kind of how after Sarah's year happened. It happened because readers wanted it. Um, and in spite of my reluctance, um, the readers in this case were also smarter than I was. You know, Mark David, what I love about what you reveal about your own creative process, which really helps all of us, I feel, who who are inspired to to perhaps branch out and write fiction when we maybe say to ourselves, you know, hey, I don't I don't know how to write fiction. You know, of course you should never say that. But the thing is, is this story wanted to be told to you too. That's what I love. It's like these stories, they live outside of ourselves. And 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 you so reveal that and how you, your readers wanted to know what happened to the characters and you wanted to know. And the characters revealed themselves to you and people don't understand the writing process sometimes i'm not sure i fully get it not having totally experienced writing fiction like that um and 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 i i would love for you to explore that just a little bit more for all of those aspiring writers out there especially people who say i don't know how to write fiction which is a very common thing for people to say how your own process is that these books are unfolding themselves to you Sure, and I want to make it very clear that I have no formal training as a writer. Yeah. Um, in fact, I have no formal training in anything I've ever made any money at. <laughs> as it turns out. Um, um, yes, yes. I have a I have a business degree, which never, which was never, never really got used. Um, yeah. Uh, because I was running for my creativity for most of my early life. Um, yeah. But I did not know how to write a novel when I began to write the Moon Quest, my first my first mm-hmm. novel. In fact, I didn't know I was starting. In fact, I didn't even know I was starting a novel when I started the Moon Quest. Um, when um, I decided to adapt the Moon Quest as a screenplay, I didn't know how to write a screenplay. Well, the Moon Quest has gone on to win now six awards, um, over well probably more than forty five-star reviews from various Amazon in various places, maybe even more than 50 uh-huh. at this point. Um, and the screenplay has been optioned. 
So I say this not to brag about how smart I am or how good I am, um, but to show that um, while there's nothing wrong with formal training and, and formal credentials, you don't always need them. Um, right. I certainly don't have any of them. Um, so, um, but to go back again, to go back to your question, um, there are, there is not a single book I have written. I don't think where I knew how the book was going to play out when I started. Um, that's 13 books, (laughs) 13 experiences of total ignorance. Um, <laughs> what in, in some cases I didn't even like like with the moon quest I didn't even know I was starting a book when I wrote those first when, when I wrote those first paragraphs um, that was true with the moon quest that was true with uh, dialogues with the divine one of my memoir type books um, that was even true with the voice of the muse my most my still my best my, my first book for writers was still my best selling book for writers and even when I sat down to write a book on screenwriting. Um, and kind of knew from my experience writing my own screenplays what I wanted to say, the book still had its own trajectory and kind of carried me along rather than me pushing it forward. Um, yeah. Now, there are many people out there um, who swear by outlines and who swear um, that you must know everything before you start. Um, yeah. I quote, I don't know if this page is still up on the final final draft is the premier screenwriting application out there. And I don't know if this page is still up on the final draft um, website, but I did quote it in, 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 in organic screenwriting, my screenwriting book, where someone is talking about um, having such a de- the importance of having such a detailed outline that basically your screenplay is just filling in the blanks by the time you get to it. Um, and my approach to everything I write is the reverse. I know absolutely nothing. <laughs> and I it sounds like life. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it is exactly like life. Um, and as we can't outline our lives either. <laughs> well, well, and as stressful I mean, as life sometimes yes, too, because yes. we, we, we all want to feel like we have some measure of control um, in our lives. And, of uh-huh. course, in our writing. And the way I write really is a metaphor for the way that um, I feel like I've been called to live, which is just kind of, I won't call by the seat of my pants because that suggests that that um, there's nothing go- there's nothing going on and I'm just kind of stumbling along. Really, it's all an intuitive process, and really everything that I'm talking about when I teach writing um, is really but fostering your intuition and trusting your your own inner voice, inner guidance to move you forward. And that's again as true in the writing as in anything else. And um, I mentioned that Sarah's year, from my idea of what the story would be, took off within paragraphs into a whole different direction. Um, with after Sarah's year, I again, I knew I wanted to focus on Sadie because for purely selfish reasons, I wanted to know what made her tick. Um, but that didn't mean, and I knew what, and I, suspected one of the things that might have happened to her. I don't want to, I don't want to give it away, but um, I wasn't sure if that was going to happen or how or when it was going to happen. If it did, it in the end it did, uh, but not in, not in a way that I expected. Um, uh-huh. Many things happened. Many things happened to poor Sadie. Um, she really did have a rough, a rough time of it. Um, but one of the, um, this is kind of strange for your question, but one of the key things 
that happens to Sadie in the story. And I think this really speaks to what I think is one of the predominant themes of the story, although, again, it wasn't planned, um, is when Sadie says, you know, I mean, this isn't my fault. All these bad things happen to me. And the response Uh is, um, yes, bad things happen to you, and that wasn't your fault. What was your fault is how you chose to respond to them. Uh-huh. Bad things, uh-huh. bad things happen to all of us all the time. Uh, it doesn't matter how spiritually aware we are or not. Life happens. Uh, we get kicked in the you know what over and over again because life happens. Um, the question is, how do we respond when we get kicked in the you know what? Um, yeah. Do we shut down? Do we give up? Um, do we move? Do we do we soldier on? Um, um, what happens to say that you'll have to discover in reading the book. But I think the question is an important one for all of us. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's an important one for me too. Um, especially, and boy, do I hate to admit this um, publicly. <laughs> but, oh, well, you know, you're, you're known for your authenticity. Yes. <laughs> um I posted at one point somewhere on some some social network somewhere that um, any uh-huh. author who denies that there's a part of every character in them is either blind yeah. or lying. Um, yeah. And as I was writing Sadie, it was very disturbing for me to see the Sadie in me. Yeah. Because I could not write her if she wasn't in me. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, I have I have I have villains in my Quintana Fantasy trilogy as well, but I don't think they're as fully fleshed out. Um, yeah. Partly, maybe a function of the genre, and partly a function of the fact those are my earliest books, and I'm a more, I, you know, I, have, I have more experience as a writer now. Um, I hope my books are better than they. And I, I think all my books are good, but I hope the newer books are better than the older ones, just because I have more experience um, and more words under my belt. Um, but yeah, I mean. Uh, Discovering the story, discovering me in the story, uh, discovering me in the characters. Um, it's not always a very, it's, it's not always, never mind always, it's not often a very comfortable experience. Um, but it's part of the experience, I think, of, of a writer who's committed to his or her stories and characters um, and to that authenticity that you, that you just talked about. Yes. You know, what I appreciate about your exploring, in this case, um, you know, a shadow side of, of a character, really, you could say, um, and, and and also discovering, you know, of course, we all have those darker sides to ourselves or those things that, that you're right, that you don't necessarily want to to come to terms with and and but in exploring that what i find interesting about your process here mark david is how it helps us with life as well in that you are finding compassion for a villain putting a villain in quotes and then what sure. does that then lead you to is compassion for yourself you know and and acceptance and and you know that can only when we explore those sorts of things in literature, that can only lead us to a a more compassionate and 
and fully functioning world because, you know, can you look at someone, you know, let's list somebody who's considered a, a real villain right now by a lot of people. Like, look at Donald Trump. I don't want to get too far into this. But can you find, you know, what is it that creates different people? Or go go into history and and also, yes, you know, see what's in yourself. And so it, it's a very important process and and these kinds of books that reflect on character and yes you have you are very mature as a writer in the way that you are really digging deeply now into these characters i mean it's a full exploration of what makes these people tick um and um as you do that you help us to live in a more compassionate way and and to also adjust those parts of ourselves that that maybe aren't responding as effectively to some of the hardships that we've had in life, or or having sympathy for those who who react to things in life. So so I think that's very positive. I mean that that's a real gift to to be giving this, and the universe is giving it to you since you're bringing these books through you in such a way as they reveal themselves. Are you there? Yeah, I think, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> We're at the bottom of the hour. I thought, one, ah, I one, lost it. One, one thing <laughs> contemplate silently on a radio show. No, it's all right. It's all right. Given the way the phones are today, I'm a little. That that's my shadow side, you know, or my my skittish my skittish side that I try to keep keep at bay, you know, always always watching the technology when it's acting up a little bit. But but um, but yes, um, yeah. I suppose there wasn't a question in that. That's more of a reflection <laughs> to respond to. <laughs> So I was, I was, yes, I was, I was reflecting what you said, and and and, and, uh-huh. I, and I do appreciate uh-huh. that. I, you know, it's it's it's, um, it's not always or even often easy or comfortable to go into the kind of personal explorations that produces these characters or these or situations yeah. for that matter. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think back to the Moon Quest, my very first book, my first novel, which has um, a couple of just a, a couple, two or three really harrowing scenes in them, which were very, very hard to write, which I yeah. tried desperately to, to ditch. Yeah. <laughs> After every draft, I tried to find a way to not include them. Um, in the first draft yeah. of the screenplay, I did not include them, and then, then I found a way to put them back in, in a way that wouldn't you know, raise the, 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 the rating from PG to <laughs> XX. <laughs> no, not XX in the sense of porno, but X in the sense of really, you know, Highly restricted. Really violent. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. They're violent. Um, and again, the question I asked is how, one of the questions I asked myself then was, how can someone like me who doesn't believe he has a violent bone in his body write this kind of stuff? Right. Um, and you know, um, the answer is obviously it's in all of us. And frankly, it's better to get it out on the page than, than on the street, um, if, you know, if it comes to that. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously that's in me or I couldn't go in to get it, just like, you know, um, method actors go into their own emotions and experiences to connect with the characters they're portraying. But somebody, I think so was brilliant, um, described the way I teach writing as method writing. <laughs> 
which I uh-huh. considered before, which is true because really I'm, I, what I'm encouraging people to do is go deep within to find those stories and find those situations, those characters and those emotions. And in going deep within, make them real or allow them to have a reality that they could not have if you were just writing off from the surface. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, I, I think that it really, to me, again, it speaks to how these characters and what they do reveal themselves to you. That, that to me, I, I can't get, I, I know I'm really focusing on that today, and perhaps it's because, <laughs> you know, I feel a book in me that, that is fiction. And so I'm listening, and I know there are those out there that are, that are feeling this, and and you know fiction is never quote fiction completely it 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 un, it comes from our hearts and and i i appreciate how this unfolds for you mark david and and you know i don't want to um get too far along in the show it's amazing how fast these shows go by without really also exploring this notion of unlived dreams and and also the catalyst the catalyst effect you know that seems to occur in in these stories where you know every life touches another and and you get the feeling that you know everything happens for a reason and and we tend to just look at at one life and not necessarily think about how how a life can impact others pursuing their dreams you know that that's really important i mean that's revealed in our writing and in our lives sure um again going back to sarah's year and just kind of tagline for the story is it's never too late to, it's never too late to follow your dreams i think and um yeah which really applies mostly to sarah because she's well she's 61 i think when the story happens um which perhaps not coincidentally is my age, at least another couple of weeks. Um, and, yes. and her friend Esther was also 61 when she dies, which not entirely coincidentally was my mother's age when she died. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it's for Bernie, he has time. I mean, he's in his late twenties, I think in Sarah's year, yeah. mid, late, yeah. late, I think he's 28 or 29. Um, he has time, but uh, for Sarah, you know, there's there's more behind than there is ahead, because um, yeah. she's unlikely to live to 120 unless I decide that's a good thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, that would um, be pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> you better develop but, some technology uh, in that book for that. <laughs> well, I'll make also turn it into science fiction, I guess. But <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> but but for her, you know, it's it's. She's had some bad experiences, too, in her life, um, yeah. and some experiences, a function of her generation, um, that have pushed her to abandon her, her dream, ironically, was to be a writer. Um, but the war got in the way, um, and marriage got in the way, and uh, the war, uh, marriage with an abusive husband got in the way, um, and life got in the way. And it's only when her best friend, her friend since elementary school, um, dies with so much unfulfilled and so much unresolved um, that that Sarah begins to see that if not now, when, you know, um, um, 
and uh, and helps inspire Esther's son to not wait until he's 61 to to live his dreams, but to really acknowledge dreams he didn't know he had and pursue them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, for Sadie, I think. In and Mac too. Mac is is the is the again the, the, the man that Esther has a very brief fling with in Sarah's year. Um, yeah. Yeah. For both Mac and Esther, um, for, sorry Mac and Sadie, Mac pretty much shuts shuts down emotionally, not not creatively but emotionally um, after Esther won't go away with him. Basically, after Esther leaves him. Um, uh-huh. Or after this, this, this doesn't go anywhere, and Sadie um, shuts down much much earlier than that when she's still probably in her teens um, or early twenties. Um, and these two people who really have, have no connection with each other other than through Esther um, really are forced to decide whether not whether it's too late to live their dreams, whether it's just too late to live their life whether it's too late to embrace life. Um, um, both for each for very different reasons um, has turned their back on life because life did them, a, did them a hard turn. Now, Mac has had success in his life, huge professional success. Sadie's had nothing for Sadie, but um, but but the dilemma is but the dilemma is the same. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, whether you have um, you achieved a pinnacle of amazing success and can have lunch with a breakfast with the Prime Minister of Canada, which is which there's a one of my favorite scenes in the book is that um, is that scene. Uh-huh. Nothing at all to do with the main theme, other than to show that Mac is is really successful. Um, or whether your life has been just one series of you know, one disaster after the next, it doesn't matter. The question is, can you can you embrace life? And and both are forced again by circumstance, in a sense, by Esther again, who in in her own way, in a different way, um, is the catalyst for for their transformation again um, in this book as well. Um, to ask the question and um, you'll have to get to the end of the book to find out if uh-huh. and how it's uh-huh. evolved. Um, Cause I ain't given nothing away. But, no, um, no, please don't. Cause, cause um, I haven't, I told, I told Mark David before I had intended to finish the book before the show and I haven't, I haven't finished, I haven't finished it. So, uh, but, but yes. So, and so Mark David, and yes. I will, I will, let me just add that um, although, again, when I began Sarah's year, there was no plan for a series. And then when I began after Sarah's year, I figured it was Sarah's year and after Sarah's year, and that was it. Uh-huh. In the middle, not even the middle of after Sarah, of after Sarah's year, um, I had the glimmerings of an idea for a third book in yeah. what is now the Sarah stories. Um, yes. And um, so I guess the story continues, um, not because of me, but in spite of me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I love how you allow it. I mean, I think, and and one of the things I wanted to say earlier, you were saying, you know, it may seem something like you're drifting along or something like that. And and I have to say that anyone who observes you, I don't know how you do it all, truthfully. You are one of the most productive 
people I know in terms of content everywhere. I mean, it, even even your Facebook posts, and I know, I think you're, well, I guess your public page has room, but I know you're at the max for your, your private page. You've got so many followers. But, I mean, just the time you spend on those and then all of your projects and actually publishing the books, which I know is a passion of yours, helping people to do that. And it really is, um, it, to me, your away show or you help us see what is possible. And, and then simply following your dreams and that you know what it is you really want to be doing in this world. And your photography, too, that, too. I mean, there are just so many aspects of your creative process that I feel set an example for us. And you may have, I wouldn't be at all surprised if an entire library of Sarah books shows up next. I mean, it's just, yeah, don't, I shouldn't even say it, but I mean, it's just, or who well, knows I what will. other projects you have in I you will. that that, that I, you will allow. I wasn't going to tell this to anybody. I think I've only told it to one friend. I, um, ah, after, well, be careful who you say it to on the, on this show. Yeah. No. <laughs> I know, but it's okay. Because um, I've, I've, I've Kind of, I've kind of sort of surrendered to it, so I guess I'm putting it out there, just kind of uh-huh, cements uh-huh. it in place. But um, I was, after Sergio wasn't done, I was, I think I'd finished the first draft maybe, and I was having coffee with a friend. And um, we were chatting about, but I, I, at that point I knew that there was going to be a third book. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I mean, I'm not going to say anything, anything about it, I didn't to her either. Um, but, um, as we're chatting about this, instead of saying the third book or book three, uh-huh. I slipped out to my horror was, Uh-oh. I can't remember whether I said <laughs> book four or the fourth book. And it's like, See? and I clapped, <laughs> and I clapped right. my mouth, my hand over my mouth oh, and my just God. shut up. Because <laughs> uh-huh. if, uh-huh. if there is a fourth book. Um, and I, I'm not saying yes, I'm not saying no. It just seems interestingly Freudian that it popped out. But if there is yes. a fourth book, I truly have not the remotest clue um, what it is. I mean, I have a vague idea, again, of what the third book is. I could be totally wrong like I was with Sarah's year. Um, but it better be something related to the title because I already have a title for it. Um, uh-huh. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I hope that it's somehow related to that, even if it doesn't show, even if the reason doesn't show up until later, like say as you did. I'm not going to reveal yeah. the title, but anybody who gets yeah. to the end of the book will see it. So uh-huh. anybody who gets to the end of After Sarah's Year, rather, will see the, the title of the next book. So um, if you're curious enough, then you'll just have to read, read After Sarah's Year or get the book and flip to the, flip to the last page. <laughs> Oh, well, no, you never want to do that. I know some people do no, that. No, I, mean, I, mean, I don't mean the last page of the story. I mean the last, the last page in the book, which yeah, tells okay. you what's coming next. Yeah, no, don't, don't, don't flip the last page of the story. No, no, no cheating. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone, you've heard it here. You know, the, the secret is out because I'm not at all surprised. I mean, I see this with your nonfiction as well, and I feel – you're not done with that either. I mean, I know that that one of the areas that I would love to see you explore some more is um, is how to take um, journaling 
and produce books from that or if you have you know extensive writing that that you want to um assimilate into some kind of a project i mean i know that you've done a lot of that in your life in fact your your acts of surrender uh, memoir really teaches us a great deal about your process in that and and i know you've certainly advised people on memoir in general i mean there're just so many areas that that you're helping people in and and i think that's your purpose here well i don't know i do, funny because when uh, my plan <laughs> funny word plan eh my plan yeah, like, had been uh-huh. that after sarah's year um, I had another book for writers that I wanted to write. It was a book on revision. Uh-huh. I have not. I've taught revision. I've never. And I've oh, covered that would it, be useful. You know, in a small way uh-huh. in each of the other the books for writers. But I hadn't hadn't done a whole book on it. Um, but kind of what has happened. Of course, this can all change. You know, in a heartbeat. But kind of what's happened is um, suddenly what I want to do. What I feel called to do, I think want is kind of suggested, comes to my mind, my mind is really no part of any of this. What I feel inspired to do is tell stories. So that yeah. doesn't mean there's no more nonfiction coming. Um, I actually yeah. have an idea for another memoir as well. But uh-huh. what feels most compelling right now um, is to get these stories out. Um, and that feels the most compelling. Um, and that's ironic because the you know the books for writers, um, frankly, sell the best of anything that I write, um, yeah. and are the yeah. most popular of anything that I write. Um, and yet, um, that muse of mine, who seems to have no regard for you know how life actually works, <laughs> yes, is is really pushing me to focus on on the stories. And really, I focus yeah. on the non. I mean, I focus on the nonfiction a lot. I have, I still have more nonfiction than fiction. Um, oh, you have thirteen books now. Yes, yes. Of the thirteen books now, five are fiction. So fiction is catching up, but five of thirteen yeah. are still are still fiction. So um, um, there are apparently stories in me that want to be told. Um, stories, that, you know, kind of like Bernie with his dreams that I don't even know yet. Um, yeah, I'm a little concerned about the third book because it feels, from what I know of it, it's going to it's going to involve research. I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to be able or able to afford to do, um, but not my problem yet. So I'm not going to worry uh-huh. about it. Um, and again, the book may not even be what I think it is because that certainly happened before. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's it's. Uh, there's a scene in the Star Quest, uh, which is the second book in that Quintana fantasy trilogy, which I keep coming back to in my own life. I talk about a lot, um, where the main character and her companions are on a quest, not surprisingly because of the title of the book. They find themselves in this um, spiraling tunnel, cave-like tunnel, um, called the Coil, um, which sounds very snake-like for good reason, because in it they must confront their deepest fear, each of them, in order to get through to the other end. And they have to get through to the other end or they cannot complete their quest. Um, the main character, Kinta, um, 
And there's no coincidence that Quintana and Quintana sound similar, although I didn't even know that when I created the name Quintana. So that's a whole other story of how things play out without you knowing them. they're playing out. But what Quintana is a storyteller. She's an elder bard, which is what it's called in that land, kind of the chief storyteller. And what she discovers on that in the, in the coil in that place is that her deepest fear um, is of losing her stories, losing her, her stories and her ability, ability to tell her stories. And as I was writing this, I was stunned because I was, a, I was as startled as she was because that came out of totally out of left field. Um, and I didn't, you know, I thought her greatest fear would not be seeing her son again. And there's a whole story around that or not completing the quest, which would, which, which would be disastrous in a lot of ways. Um, but no, it was what her storytelling. And as I wrote those words, and my jaw dropped to the floor, as hers did in the story, I realized, uh-huh. coming back to what we said earlier on, that if that was her greatest fear, it had to be mine as well. Um, and I keep coming back to that. I mean, in my life, uh, there are days when I think, I don't ever want to write another book again. I just, it's really hard work. No, I'm serious. It's wow. really hard work. Yeah, well, I know, and, just having faced it on the other side, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, those and, who haven't produced the book, you know, you can feel that it is work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's not bad. It's just, it's just, it's, 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 it's hard. It's joyous going, work. Going through, yeah. <laughs> going through those emotional, I mean, for me, the craft isn't so hard anymore. It wasn't the beginning. Now, for me, you know, it's, it's the emotion of the experience that's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, writing no, I after get that. That's it was, completely. Yes. Uh-huh. was fairly, after 13, you know, after 12 books, the 13th book wasn't hard to write in the sense of getting the words on the page. Uh, in fact, it's probably the fastest book I've ever written. Well, no, it's the second fastest book I've ever written. I guess one of my books for writers was the fastest. Um, but the but going into the emotion of those characters, I mean, it was heartbreaking writing their story because yeah. they were they were so real to me. Um, yeah. And I think that's both the gift and the curse because yeah. they are so real um, that it's hard to put them through what you put them through. Or it's hard to have revealed to you what they have to go through. Um, yes. But in the end, for all I bitch and moan and complain about how hard it is, and you know, and and and, and we won't even go there. <laughs> I keep coming back to that scene in the Star Quest, and I know that I can't not do this. There's a period. There was a period um, a couple of years ago, or more than a couple of years ago now, where the emotional impact of writing something was actually I was working on um, a stage musical version of my Quintana stories. So I was revisiting those Quintana stories again for the umpteenth time. And when I finished the second one, the first draft of the second one, I said, I'm going to get the third one and I'm never going to write again. I can't do this anymore. Wow. I just cannot do this anymore. Wow. Um, it's just, it's just, it's, I just can't do it. Period. And yeah. I said that I, that's yeah. it. I'm done. You know, I'll, I'll 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 complete I'll complete what I've started, but that's it. That lasted yeah. about two weeks. But <laughs> I was serious. I was really was serious. I just you know, I just I just I I was just so done. And I had my radio show, my own radio show at the time. Yeah. I'd interviewed J. A. J. I'd interviewed J. A. Jans, who's a New York Times bestselling mystery writer, 
um, writes great stories. Um, and I was editing because I, I didn't, these, these didn't air live. I was editing the interview right. and I don't remember what it was she said, but she said something and I'm listening to the, you know, as I listened to the recording and I went, Oh, four letter word. <laughs> I can't stop. I can't, I mean, yeah. whatever she said made me realize that there was no way to stop that, that, that my so-called strike had ended with no concessions at all from the employer. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know? um, and I couldn't, I couldn't not do this. And I have felt this way since I keep coming back to that moment. I keep going back to that scene in the star quest. And I know that, that as challenged as I sometimes feel, um, both during and after um, a particular writing project, I don't think I can stop. I think it's like breathing. I don't think I can stop and still live. I mean, it's that, it's, yeah. it's, it's that, it's that, it's, it's that big a thing. And yeah. that scares me some days, frankly. Um, but it is what it is until it isn't anymore. And it still is. <laughs> so, you know, you know, I have to say, um, to have found such a passion in life that, you know, it's, it's your very vitality. I mean, that to me is an incredible gift is that your journey, which I do invite people to check out your memoir as one of your many books um, because it reveals how some of this came to be, um, Acts of Surrender, and it's on your, your website. In fact, I'll just put in a... A note for your website here, markdavidgerson.com. All of your books are out there. Um, I I feel like um, so many of us are diverted from that. And, you know, you can be in a, quote, mainstream life and still follow your dreams. And, and in fact, I I actually, I'm starting to work, and this is so, this is fun. I'm going to be working with some musicians, just, just a really cool fun kind of casual and and the the person who is the main singer in this group manages get this two super walmarts but deep down loves singing and you know is able to do both and and without even talking about you know i live out in an area where on the outskirts where there are super walmarts and they can be pretty controversial but we won't get into any of that except the fact that this what a beautiful thing to want to be a singer and to be, you know, actually making progress in that area. So to me, you exemplify, Mark David, that kind of, of vitality. And, you know, the more you follow it, the more that maybe you don't do the mainstream thing if you can manage it and, and um, you know, follow that talent and whatever it is, singing, art, writing, and it's a beautiful thing that um, that you do this and you exemplify it in your life and your work. Well, thank you. It's 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 not an easy path. Um, yeah. It's certainly a, a satisfying and rewarding one in many ways, but it isn't it isn't uh, necessarily an easy one. Um, but I think that uh, you know. No one said that following your dreams had to be easy. Um, yeah. and, um, and no one says that if you missed out, you know, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, or even 60s, 
you can't start later on. I mean, um, poor Sarah, she keeps being reminded of Grandma Moses, who didn't start painting until her 80s. 70s, 80s, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and um, you know, a great role model for anybody who is past a certain age um, uh, who says, I'm too old, it's too late, Yeah. it's too late yeah. for me. Well, yeah. you know, it's not. Um, it, it never it's is. never too early and it's never too late. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I think that when you find that passion, Mark David, you you don't ever want to, quote, retire from whatever that passion is. I think that the people who are most passionate about what it is that they're doing, you know, assuming they're physically, as long as they're able to even approach doing it, and even then probably pass, you're just going to keep doing it because it is your life. It is your vitality, and, and that's the way to be. And you can't ever say that, well, you know, you might fail because there is no failure when you follow your passion. So, and, great, and I, I feel quote, that you've that. Uh-huh. There's a great quote from Judy Dench, who is an actor who I so admire. Um, yeah. She says, what do you retire for? You retire if you are in a job that has just kept you employed and given you some kind of income. Then you retire to do the things that you really want to do. Well, I am doing the things I want to do now, so I don't want to retire. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's actually that's actually a quote from her mem- from her memoir. That's beautiful. That that's it. That's it exactly. And um, here we are. We are we are right at the the end of the the live show. We're getting close. And and I wanted to give you an opportunity, Mark David, to once again remind people where you can be found. And I know that sure. you're doing seminars still and different things. Um, please please let the audience know a little bit about what what's up. Sure. Um, as you mentioned, um, the best place to find everything about me, including links to other places, is my website, which is Mark David Gerson's, Mark with a K, David Gerson, dot com, all one word. Um, but you can also, Mark David Gerson, all one word, is my username on many social media, on Facebook, on uh, Twitter, for example. So please, 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 please look me up there. Um, um, I will be speaking at Unity of Santa Fe next month um, on oh. the 18th um, at the Sunday right. service. And um, I have not been doing a lot of teaching recently, but I'll be teaching a workshop there the following Saturday, the 24th. So go to the, I guess go to the Unity website, go to Unity of Santa Fe website for more information about other of those events. Um, all my books are available in paperback and ebook, both on my website. If you order from my website, I'm happy to sign them for you, but you can also find them on Amazon at barnesandnoble.com and through some other online um, booksellers. And the ebooks are all available um, in the Kindle, iBooks, Google Play, Nook, Kobo. Did I get them all? <laughs> five, They're all seven, five, seven, yes. seven, five in there, anyhow, stores. Um, yeah. And um, uh, so please look me up um, anywhere. Follow me. Uh, um, you mentioned that my friend, uh, I, I reached, I maxed out on my friends on the on my personal Facebook page. Okay. That's true, except that every couple of days somebody drops off. And so actually I have two vacancies That's right true. now. So. Ah, hurry, <laughs> um, hurry. So hurry. But if you, if you can certainly follow me there, if you, can send me, if you can send me a friend request. And my my professional page is 
facebook.com slash markdavidgerson.page, easy enough. So, um, and, and I highly of, recommend your pages because you, you post so many things all the time. And, and people can always follow your personal page, too. Even if they exactly. can't get in on the friends, exactly. they can follow your post. Exactly. And, and I and also by the have way, a whole bunch live, of – oh, go ahead. Um, the, Well, the live audience is leaving us, so I just wanted to remind the live audience to go to FrontierBeyondFear.com for any other, for this show and others that are coming up. And thank you, live audience, for being here. We'll continue into the archive briefly. Okay, keep keep going now. Now we're now we're talking across time to everyone in, okay. in the podcast, which we've been doing all along. <laughs> to so, those who are, who so are listening in the future. <laughs> um, what I was all I was going to add to to what I said was I also have a whole bunch of uh, free resources on YouTube, for example. I'm on YouTube channel, uh-huh. also Mark David Gerson, uh, all one word as a username. Lots of videos. Um, both practical, inspirational, some author interviews from my radio show. Um, so please, please check that out as well. Um, um, but Facebook and Twitter is where I, I am most active these days, simply because and Pinterest, simply because yes. one has to, there's, there's just too much, too many places and not enough, not enough time and energy. Um, so well, you, um, you beautifully integrate um, the visual because of your photography, and you also engage in some artwork as well. Although I consider photography artwork, um, and 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 what you quote and what you find and your own words. I mean, it's just a beautiful mix that you have. You're one of the best, truthfully. Um, again, you know, not being. I don't know if there's really. I suppose there can be such a thing as a trained social media specialist nowadays. There's probably a way to go to school to do that. But for not for having organically, Mark David, learned how to work in social media or just to flow there, you do it beautifully. It's one of the best social media presences that I've seen. And, and I do really encourage people to find you on social media because you'll be regularly inspired and there are beautiful things to see and, and, and thoughts to reflect upon. And even just simple things like, you know, this is so-and-so's birthday or whatever. And then always a, a wonderful thought, you know, going with it, um, you know, who, no matter who it is, Audrey Hepburn or, or whatever, there've been so many and, and I appreciate following those and I know the audience will too. Well, thank you so much. It's, it's, it's fun to do. Um, Facebook sometimes makes these things challenging, as anybody who works with social media can, can, oh, can yes. appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Twitter has its own cha- a different set of challenges, but Facebook does make things a little challenging. Um, but yes, you can always, I mean, one of the ways um, for anyone who wants to make sure they see anyone's feed, whether it's from their personal page or their fan page, um, you can. Um, there's a, there's, there's a feature called See First, uh-huh. um, which you can enable on a certain number of pages, um, which uh-huh. means that posts from those pages will always appear at the top of your newsfeed. So if you want to make sure you see my stuff or anybody's stuff, when you go to like the page or friend the person, um, you can, there's, there's a See First, I think it's called See First option. Uh-huh. And that, that way their, their material will always appear at the top of your newsfeed, uh, because as as we as we know, um, putting stuff on your Facebook page doesn't necessarily ever show up on the 
regularly show up on the news feeds of the people who actually like the page. Oh, just we because know of that the way, very, the way, very much. <laughs> just because of the way Facebook algorithms work and, and because they're looking to make a buck and you can't blame them because that's their yeah. business. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, yeah um, I, do, I do appreciate that and, and it's kind of fun to put the stuff out there and really my, my goal in all this is to, you know, inspire people to live and write in the creative ways that, that I talk about and I choose yeah. the quotes or the or the clips or whatever, you know, from, from that place. Yes, yes, yes. And, and you know, I might add that you're also a talented coach. I don't know how much you fit of that into your day now, but, but one thing, and I haven't, I've had you on so many times, I don't think I've mentioned this in many, many shows, but, you know, one of the, the first ways that we interacted, in fact, it may I'm still trying to remember how I found out about your coaching. Twitter. I mean, I just Twitter. well, I guess so. It must have been one, and I've always Twitter, been a and Twitter it was, person. It was Twitter. It was Julia Isaac's um, uh, right chat. I think that's we right. First there connected. was a group, the right chat group. But in yep. any case, um, your coaching. Although I still, after all these years, amazingly enough, have not produced a book. What your coaching did, though, was very important. Actually, you know. I don't know if I would have been on Twitter. We're getting static again. 